Hello. I think this is like two, episode 247 of The Great and Crowbar, but I'm committed now and I can't be bothered to check. My name is Chris Thurston, and tonight I'm joined by Philippa War. Hi. Hello. I, what? Why do you not know what's going on? That's my thing. I know, I thought I'd catch a march on you. <laughs> well, I think it's episode 454. Excellent. What are you going to do about it? Uh, nothing, because I'm not in a position to, to contradict you. It's just you and I this evening, and it is pretty late. Uh, at the time that we're recording this mm. on account of uh, develop and uh, the football uh, stealing our various uh, ordinary pod co-hosts from us. They're not ordinary. They're all extraordinary in their own individual ways. But uh, Usual. Yeah, and usual. Regular. Typical, regular. Yeah. Um, nothing regular about this uh, because there's no news again. <laughs> when will there be news again? Well... I've just come off deadline. <laughs> England have just crashed out of the World Cup and I have wine. So you know, let's just get this done. We're nailing down facts. Yes. Uh, the football is staying away and will not be coming home. But well, that's okay the, the, because home's a mess. They will be coming home though. They, they are allowed to come home, yeah. In they their waistcoats. Well. Yeah. They, they did very well, the football men. Yeah. Uniformly well. But not as well as it's possible to do, which is why a lot of people are upset. There is a skill ceiling on that one that we did not quite... It's, I don't know. It's never been broken through in my lifetime. This is a very familiar kind of feeling for me. Same. Brought me back to being three and nine. Mm, yeah. I remember kneeling on the floor in my living room in 1996 on an England flag, <laughs> watching the, uh, the, the penalties as that whole Farrago unfolded. Mm. Gareth Southgate was there as he was this evening. Yeah, indeed. But, These reboots, you know, where they get one member of the original cast back to just sort of play I a will role. say he seemed lovely. He d yeah, he absolutely does. I don't really... I mean, I, you know, I was quite fond of him with how he handled the 96 stuff, what with, you know, making a profit by doing a Pizza Hut advert mm. afterwards, um, where Stuart Pierce mocked him, I do believe. Um, but yeah, uh, although, yes, mm. I don't have much for this. Shall we just scrap this section? Uh, it's, too, it's far too late for that now. The real football was the friends we made along the way. That's the end of it. Edit this out. Um, no, I re absolutely refuse. Uh -huh. uh, partly because one of the reasons I have to refuse to edit that out is because it's probably going to also be a little, not simply because it's the two of us, but also a little shorter podcast than usual on account of the fact that I haven't played anything new. I was scanning oh. new games. I've just played Moon Crash. And given that we dedicated a big chunk of the last podcast to Moon Crash. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, you weren't there. No. Um, Where yeah. was I? Uh, oh, I was having dinner. You that having, was nice. You, you, you went out for dinner and me, Tom and Alex sat in the room and talked about Prey Moon Crash, which is very good. I like I it I stand by my decisions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I appreciate that, you know, you don't want to tread that ground for the first time. No. And I don't want to retread that ground. That's no. too much, too much moon crash. So instead, what we should do... Does the moon crash? No. There is some crashing. It's set on the moon. And some things do crash. Uh, you also use a computer system that crashes. So... But the moon doesn't crash? No. Okay. No, it doesn't. It's, 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 it's moon-themed crash events. Is there a metaphor involved? I think it's just a cool word. Crash. It or is. moon. Both. Moon crash. Moon crash. Snow yeah. crash. Exactly, right? Because it's got a very cyberpunky kind of thing. You're a hacker. 
Okay. In a virtual reality simulation, that's very snow crashy. Hell crash. Indeed, if you were, if you were in shoe hell, crash, that could be the Doom version. That could be the uh, the shoe version. Beatles crash. That would be the the Beatles version. Okay. I actually tried this on the Sky um, Crash. Uh, uh, That's a James Bond film. It must be. <laughs> it's, it's not, but it is. There a James Bond? Well, film there's Skyfall. There is. Yeah. Does the sky fall in Skyfall? Mm, no, yes. it doesn't. It's just the name of a place. Is it? Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. If anything, a man gets shot out of an ejector seat into a helicopter, which is the opposite of the sky falling. That's not what. Look, I'm challenging you to a game of opposites. The opposite of the sky falling is being shot out of no, a car. No, the opposite of the sky falling is a tidal wave. It's the sea rising. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I always thought the ground was the opposite of the sky, not the sea. Because the sea is in some ways a reflection of the sky. There's a kinship. Have you not been listening to my opposites? No, I mean, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you not have an instinctive understanding of how correct well, I am Well, as right ever, now? the opposite of you is me. So, um, no, it was Tom. No, you're, you're more alike than you are different. He's in develop. I'm not in develop That's so true. far. So opposite. <laughs> What's the opposite of Bath, Brighton? Um, let's talk about video games. Okay. Okay. I mean, let's talk about the video games you've been playing. Cause you've played quite a bit. Since I have. You were last on the podcast. Yes. Which one do you want? I thought it would be fun to start with Captain Spirit. Oh, did you? Yeah. Interesting. I was not expecting that. Really? There's, yeah. There, I thought there were two games on the list and that was one of them. Well, I mean, I've played, I, okay. So, so. To give people a contents page, mm. I have uh, played The Sims 4 Seasons, mm. if you wanted the specific flavour, but you know. Yeah. Um, I have played The Amazing Adventures, or Awesome Adventures. It's one of the adventures yeah. of Captain Spirit. The Adequate Spirit. Adventures of Captain Spirit. The, yes. And uh, Shape of the World, I've played that. I've played Cognizer. Mm. I've played Dr. Frank's Build a Boyfriend. Wow. I've played uh, Ashi Lake of Light. Uh, How do you spell Ashi in that? Ashi. Ashi. A-S-H-I. Okay. So it's been all go, really. Mm, all has. go. Well, let's start with Captain Spirit, because you've played so many games, you don't have to go... I'm papering over your inadequacies! Well, I was just going on the ones you mentioned. <laughs> let's not fight. The children are here. Um, um, yes, so Captain yeah. Spirit is the free prologue to Life is Strange 2. It's what would have been a demo disc in my day. Mm. Mm. Mm, or a shareware version. Mm. Yes. But anyway, um, yeah, so it's kind of a, well, it is a free, uh, mini-sode, I guess, uh, that is a teaser for Life is Strange season two, or Life mm. is Strange two, rather. Um, so it's kind of set in the same world and, you know, it's got all the same sort of trappings. It's got the indie plinky plonky soundtrack and like the long establishing shots and you know the same lovely art style mm. um and the same sort of um sensitive sensibility i guess mm. um but this time it focuses on a 10 year old boy called chris who is very much into superhero sort of stories and comic books and things and um his family situation he lives with his dad and you 
know that all is not necessarily well mm. uh and so it's about essentially like navigating the world as him and living sort of i guess choosing how much or how wholeheartedly you embrace the superhero side of his way of coping with the world mm. um and that's you know it's interesting um it does tip over into sentimentality I thought mm. a fair old bunch. Um, but you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I loved life is strange. Um, and I think that that meant that the things that it didn't do very well, because I really resonated with oh, that story really resonated with me and the characters did. So it meant that the things that if you're not that invested with the story would chafe quite a bit more. Mm. It meant that they weren't as much of a concern. You know, you still notice them. Um, but it, you know, they weren't as much in the forefront. Um, whereas this, it didn't really ever resonate in that way. And so I found myself more aware of shortcomings and also at points it didn't really feel like it had quite earned the emotions it was trying to provoke mm. as in it's such a loaded situation you know a, a small kid and the potential for him to be disappointed by a heavily drinking parent just before Christmas, it's, right. it, it, it's such a kind of emotionally charged setup that I, I feel like when a game does that, it has to work hard to feel like it deserves the, the emotions mm. it can reap off the back of that rather than feel like it's just tapping into the situation for those. Yeah. And like at some points it does manage moments where that that pierced through but they were moments where the developers felt like they were employing more of a light touch mm. and the moments where it was a lot more heavy-handed felt um it they didn't feel as as natural they felt quite mawkish was mm. the word that kept coming to yeah. mind the original life is strange has some mawkishness in it in places but i guess it's that's in the context of a much denser experience i think it benefits from having a lot longer to unfold mm. and i also think that um i actually enjoyed the um the fanfic-esque quality of the original it felt like um, I, I was genuinely glad to see a, a thing that seemed to be referencing a strand of fiction that I remembered being really into as a teenager and that gaming in general has sort of not engaged mm. with. It felt, um, I think I've maybe said this on a podcast before, but it, it, it did feel like one of the first times I recognized an experience as mirroring my own mm. in games. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned that in a, in a written piece, cause I think someone commented like in a, almost in a kind of, um, 
<laughs> suggesting that there was something wrong with me that or you know that they pitied that that that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that this that, was relatable yeah and it was uh, that that was that struck me as weird but um I guess I'm so used to playing games that put me in someone's shoes where I can empathize with them, but I don't recognize mm. any of myself in that or any of the things that I grew up being really into in that. Mm. And so to sort of suddenly see it in a mainstream, you know, a uh, big game was really, it, 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 I think you can't underestimate what that means yeah, to yeah. people. And I'm not saying that it allowed me to ignore thing or points where the original Life is Strange fell short, but it definitely meant that they weren't at the forefront of my mind. You know, you can yeah. be aware of things, but if something is is personally meaningful then they just aren't as important yeah I, th I think i felt the same way even though obviously those characters and that situation in life is strange was not going to be as resonant of my own experience as being of being a teenager it was still you know reminiscent of a side of fiction that doesn't get represented enough in games there's you know there's a few different ways in which it was pointedly different both mm. both sort of formally and in terms of its content um that that I think really stands out. And that's the thing that sort of like makes me, I haven't, I haven't played Captain Spirit. I, I'd like to, I think, but it's interesting because on, on paper, I should have a pretty, uh, um, quick through line to relating to the game because I was once a 10 year old boy called Chris, who was really into superheroes. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, but uh, thinking about it, that's like the, possibly the least interesting part of my life to simulate. So I suppose my question would be, is it, for me, it seems like it would throw up lots of issues to go from playing uh, a teenager with a, with problems and limitations, but a lot of agency relative to how much agency you have, both intellectually and also, you know, very literally as a kid. Mm. It's it's a different experience, although I mean, in some ways, how much agency does Max? have because you you know you do a lot of things like fiddling around with time until you get the outcome that you want sure. or, or the outcome that the game will let you proceed with you know you, you mm. have a certain amount of choice within that but it there is still the constraints of the story to consider i suppose what i mean is not literal game agency but like how much of any kind of implied internal complexity and therefore kind of, you know, room to grow, that kind of thing that you can put so on a character. There are some elements that I thought were, you know, were good on that front because there are things like, so you're in this um, house uh, mm. and it's snowing outside. So, you know, um, you're trying to find things to do while your dad watches um, sports on the TV. And so, you know, some of it is that you can choose to do um, a certain amount of household tasks. And I found that quite interesting because I chose to play Chris as somebody who would take on the the parts of the running of the household that would try and paper over his dad's inability mm. to do that. And so, mm. you know, that was kind of an interesting balancing act about, you know, how much you choose to take on as him, you know, mm. the, the, um, 
yeah that that kind of how much you th- you put on chris to have grown up early i guess or to, yeah, have yeah. to take responsibility um and there are also things where um so captain spirit is kind of his superhero alter ego and so as you go through the game you have the option of as you interact with elements of your environment you can press e on pc to to perform them in the superhero option almost like you know when you're um going around the house and you sort of you do something as if there's an audience or you know like you you my go-to example is that you throw something into the bin from across the room and you pretend that it was like you know the the winning i don't know Mm. basket in a match right and so you sort of yeah yeah you do the thing and it's like and the crowd goes wild (laughs) you know and you pretend to cheer for yourself you know Mm. it's kind of that that sense of play acting almost of you know dipping into this fantasy world to to escape but also just because it's quite a human thing to do as Mm. you potter about you know Mm. captain spirit is a very wholesome name for a 10 year old's self-invented superhero alter ego Mm. i can't remember whether it's because it's been a little while and i've played a bunch of things since um i can't remember whether it's that it was the name of an in-game universe fictional hero that you know that Mm. he happened to read the comic books of like because i think a lot of the the enemies and stuff that he talks about maybe come from the books you know there's Mm. like little characters that he can pick up and play with as he you know as he potters about in his room and things like that and he draws pictures and mm. you know that kind of thing that so. would definitely gel closer with my experience of being chris mm. um which would have been <laughs> yeah you can perform the action as yourself but you can also perform it as spider-man mm, exactly mm. it's a bit like um when i was very freelance and i had been playing a lot of call of duty i think and i decided to pretend that i was in a sort of black ops mission and tried to get from my room to, I don't know, I think the living room without the cat noticing me. (laughs) And I managed to, I think I fell off the banisters or something onto the stairs. And that was, (laughs) the cat just kind of looked over and it was like, that's all over. There's just such scorn, (laughs) such scorn from that cat. So that was a particularly mm, scornful cat, though. If I'm thinking of the same cat, not either. Oh, a different one. It was the one. Um, oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, she had a Spanish name. Oh, I was going. <laughs> because well, my housemate was Spanish, mm, obviously. Well, we may never know. It's fine. Yeah. So, I guess because it's free. How substantial is that cup of spirit? Like as a as a thing, is it a self-contained story? Is it very much? Chapter zero. I feel like it's like half the length of a normal Life is Strange episode, hmm. maybe. Right. So it's, you know, you get a fair amount of hashtag content, but also, um, I, I think that, and I don't think this is a spoiler. Um, but if you, I, I suppose I was going to say, if you want to go in knowing nothing, maybe you shouldn't have listened to the past <laughs> like 10, 15 minutes. Um, but it ends by saying 
you can meet Chris again in <laughs> Life is Strange 2. And so it's one of those things where I felt like the implication was that you don't play him, but that he pops up right. somewhere in that universe and that maybe your paths cross, but there isn't really a sense of to what extent or to what extent the yeah. the events of, especially the end of the episode reflect uh, reflect what actually happens in that series and how much it's mm. just a, a sort of teaser i know that there's supposed to be a lot of stuff that that people can puzzle over if they want to and i found quite a lot of references to things like you know locations and things in the in the first game and things but i've i've always been terrible with anything approaching like an arg or a mm. you know a, a guessing game because you know, I I do have a few ideas for for who I think might be in the the upcoming thing. Because I think I think don't nod teased that you could that perhaps people could figure out who was going to be the protagonist of the of the second Life is Strange right. from playing that. But I I would say there's there didn't feel like there was a conclusive it will be this person or anything. It's more that I have, like, there are a couple of things which I took to be clues, which will probably turn out to be absolutely wrong in retrospect, mm. that I decided would be my guess for it, but I am well-establishedly terrible at this stuff, <laughs> so... I think, and I haven't played it and I don't know anything about it. I think, I think. <laughs> but that's not going to stop me wading in. <laughs> my opinion is that you are going to re-encounter Chris as a depressed 55-year-old divorcee. <laughs> and it'll be set in the future. Unless it turns out that Captain Spirit was set in the past. Okay. That's my guess. Right. It's probably not the case. But... <laughs> That's my guess. I mean, the whole thing's about time travel, right? Well, I mean, the first Life is Strange was had a time rewinding element to it. But, I mean... I'm talking big, big rewinds. Encounter anybody as a baby and anybody as a depressed 55-year-old divorcee. And those are the two settings every character has. What's wrong with you? <laughs> happened today find out in the prologue <laughs> dlc has the football really got to you no not at all it's just quite hot and it's i was like well they're out, a young team in what, 55 years <laughs> trying to figure out what other forms of uh what other forms of strangeness could be in life is strange and i was trying to figure out what the most unusual thing to do with with that character would be in a potential sequel rather than having him literally show up mm. as a child you know I mean, making him the Chancellor of the Exchequer. You could just pick loads of things out of... Sure, why not? It's, it's... I mean, he could turn into a giant, like, pill bug. He could, yeah. In Franz Kafka's yeah. Life is Strange, which yeah, is exactly. the other name for that story. Exactly. <laughs> it is real weird when that happens. Yeah. It's freaky. That would be a really good... That would be a good power to introduce to Life is Strange. You can do a com mid conversation. You can transform what, into a beetle oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> to see if that gives you different conversation options. I'd like that, and it almost always would. <laughs> yeah, but he can't talk back, can he? No, he can't. But Gregor. Yeah, but you can. You can just sort of skitter and go. Yeah, but then you just get hit by a broom. 
Indeed. by your mum. But sometimes that might be desirable. It depends on what a soft scenario is. I feel like you might need to do a bit more work on this pitch. Okay. All right, well, we can come back to it. Um, you, <laughs> we'll you, just circle around to that one yeah. again. Because <laughs> um, I, I know, I don't know if they're going to stick with the time travel thing or if it's just going to be... You know, I just, I'm trying to trying to find the a high The thing concept. is, I don't really want to spoil it for people who haven't right, played. Right, fair enough. So the, we have spoiled um, that you don't turn into a giant beetle. Have I? Have we? I'm just saying that yours didn't make sense. Okay. Your idea. <laughs> there are other implementations of that idea that make perfect sense. Well, and also, you know... I, uh, yeah, anyway. So, anyway... <laughs> I think um, there are things that we could discuss if this was more of a spoiler-full thing, mm. or maybe if you'd played it, but I think sure. it's the sort of thing where that's the extent to which I would um, would take it for people who haven't played or who were thinking of playing. Fine, fine. Let's talk about a different game in that event. Mm. How's about Them Sims? Mm. So Seasons is a very new expansion, right? It is. And quite a big expansion. Yeah, it's the one that costs like 35 quid, I think. Mm, that's so. big game money. Mm. Sorry, I'm just really trying hard to swallow a Jolly Rancher chew. Oh. <laughs> um, which defeats the point of the chew, I will say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Goodness, that's really sticking in my throat. Um, Have a glass of wine and I will talk about The Sims for at least 15 seconds. Is that so, better? Yes. The Sims 4 Seasons mm. is... Not um, The Sims 4 Seasons, which is a pizza. <laughs> that didn't deserve that laugh. Um, <laughs> I retract it. <laughs> rescind this so um the sims 4's seasons expansion is essentially um it adds seasons to the game and it adds things like holidays that recur over the course of that yearly cycle as well as things like you know weather changes that that tie into that it adds um some uh it fleshes out the gardening career path um which was very good news for me mm. it adds um a bunch of you know clothes options and stuff like that as these things usually do and it brings beekeeping which means it's also I good news for you being stung an awful lot or rather, Loretta Hewitt has been stung an awful lot. <laughs> Your Sims alter ego. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so that stuff doesn't really sound like much, I guess, but it permeates the whole game. And so it, I, it really does reinvigorate the experience because the yearly cycle makes it feel so much more like a lived world. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of, it feels like one of those expansions that is hugely important because of the fact that it makes The Sims 4 feel deeper and mm. more of a thing that is happening around you and that your characters interact with rather than a yeah. a sort of sterile play space that occasionally it, it, it can feel like, especially when 
the franchise is on the early part of yeah whichever iterations life cycle you know before all of the the stuff packs and the game packs and the expansion packs occur so that you can sort of curate a bit more the experience that you want and it is all a bit of a money a money pit but at the same time like when it gets to this point about what are we four years in Jesus. There's a lot <laughs> Sorry. to... <laughs> I remember flying to San Francisco for a single day to see The Sims 4 when it was in development. Yeah, I remember. You were a right state when you came yeah. back. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so that was... What was I talking about? The Just Sims the fact 4. That it's very substantial and it's fleshed out the kind of... Yeah, so I think it, it's one of those things where, yeah, you you do run the risk of it feeling like a complete you know, just a sandbox and you are totally, Mm. you know, in control of things. And obviously you still are, but, uh, you know, time marches on and it will take you to Christmas, whether you like it or not. And it will take (laughs) you to, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Um, and so you can do things like, uh, alter the lengths of the season. So you can, you know, make it like seven days, seven in game days rather, uh, or 14 or 28, I think are your options. And so you can kind of, mm. you know, elongate the amount of time between each of these shifts. Um, and there are other little makeshift holidays or not makeshift holidays, but, but they're not bound to a specific point in the calendar so they'll just pop up you know like rebate day and you get some money back or you know lottery day or something um but then you've got the the regulars like uh what do they call it i think it's winter uh, winter winter fest winter geddon is their um their analog of christmas or christmaca or Mm. you know various um and there's also a sort of harvest festival type thing love day is you know valentine's day kind of thing um so yeah and each of those when it's that particular day there are um a set of traditions so activities that your sim um they don't have to do but you're encouraged to do them because it will make your sim feel like they've had a good day that Mm. day and some you know gain more from you fulfilling that than others so one of my characters in my family house is um super into christmas so he got absolutely you know into the spirit of things you know opening gifts making a a a shared grand meal that everybody you know Mm. partook of um things like that which was quite sweet um and also i i like that stuff specifically because i can get stuck in a bit of a rut with the sims especially because four always felt like it wasn't quite autonomous. Right. Yeah. Um, I think you found that as well. Like it, 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 it does a lot, um, for you and your Sims are sort of able to, you know, take care of themselves without much in the way of micromanagement, but also they don't surprise you. Yeah. That was my issue with it. I think four's big, and I like the Sims a lot. And four's big step forward was the tools. Mm. Like architecture tools were way better. The character creation tools were way better. 
than mm. they were in previous games. And those things are very, very important. Yeah, rooms are just so easy to deal yeah. with as you build them. And then if you're into the architecture stuff or the house design stuff, you've got so much more freedom to change, mm. like ceiling heights and, and all that sort of thing. That I stuff, love that stuff. Yeah, that, really stuff's, that stuff's really good. It's just never been particularly deep as a simulation. So it's not particularly gratifying if you leave Sims to their own devices because... They don't really do anything. I think because it's a little bit of traditionally always felt like it was a little bit afraid of upsetting the player with having the world move on without them, which is kind of exactly what I want from The Sims. Like if I leave just the neighborhood running, I won't be able to get into relationships and lose their jobs and all this stuff. And it won't like people will just tick along basically until they die. Mm. Um, And um, but similarly, if you micromanage everybody and try and control things, then the dramas that emerge don't feel as rewarding because you kind of made them happen. You like, through the you bashed your dolls together basically i wonder if that's specifically a problem that that we experience more because we tend to be playing this stuff from a journalist perspective and so you know the 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 desire i guess or the the thing that would work for some interesting features is to let stuff play out you know you put mm. the you put the variables in you put for example the pc gamer team into a house and then you just let it play out and it surprises you by having i don't know people fall out over biscuits or you know so and so is over here doing this thing and and it, you know that would actually you know make work a lot easier because you mm. could just trust the simulation to do those things whereas you have to actually choose them and that mm. that changes the parameters of i guess an easy entertaining feature and that's not to say that's you know that's why it yeah. annoyed you but i don't think it's journalistic for me because I, I played the sims for probably about sims 4 for probably about 12 hours when i was reviewing it and i've played like 100 hours of that game now mm. so like you know, we clearly kept kept playing it, but like, you know, it has. So my preferred way of of, of approaching it is always to um, switch off autonomy for the controlled sim, but leave it on for everybody else, yeah. so that you're just one person in the world. And that's why I've maybe noticed these things. I think I've always just wanted it to have more depth and more options. Like mm-hmm. I, I'd like, you know, I don't see the harm in well, apart from the complexity of its technical implementation of saying I I'm happy for you to turn sims autonomy and the potential consequences of that up to absolute max Mm. just let me kind of be a single character in this little world my pet seems to have autonomy like he (laughs) kept running away mr wiggles just kept running away what kind of animal is mr wiggles mr wiggles was a cat was Mm -mm. (laughs) mr wiggles died while i was in the bath on new year's eve (laughs) 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 the grim reaper turns up for cats I spent New Year's Eve watching the countdown on my television with the Grim Reaper. We we clinked glasses at midnight. <laughs> so Loretta actually had a really good New Year's Eve. Her life's amazing. I love Loretta. I want to be her when I grow up. I think you might be. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so, but that's part of what I was getting at with this is that, um, so I can sometimes get stuck in a bit of not exactly a rut, mm. but I can sometimes, if I don't have a particular rule set in mind or if I'm not working on a particular project, then that game can kind of flounder a bit or I, I'm really spinning my wheels and I drift away for months and months. Mm. Um, and so one of the things that I quite like about this is that when one of these events comes around and it says, it essentially says 
you need to fulfill these challenges so mm. your sim has a nice day. It makes me finally answer the phone to one of the people who keeps phoning me and hang out with them because the the day will often well, the day yeah. will often demand it or mm. you know it will be my chance to i don't know install a particular thing or you know buy a particular decoration for the house or you know it it does have the capacity to break you out of ruts a little bit with with those structures which is mm. quite nice um, cause the other thing is I can kind of end up with a, a really ad hoc house as I try and pursue particular small goals and then sort of don't really think about, oh, well, if I actually lived here, what would I want it to look like? And mm. so when, when a holiday comes around and one of the things that you can do is you can decorate it using, you know, a little, um, so there's storage boxes which you activate in your house to decorate the outside of the house. Mm. Um, but also you can rummage in it for, for little themed decorations when a holiday rolls around, or you can just flat out buy stuff from the build mode options um, and place those around the house. And that was quite nice because I found myself thinking if I lived here, I would put tinsel, you know, like I'd yeah. put lights here. I would put cards here. I would do this and that and the other. The only problem with that is that you can't easily take all of that stuff down afterwards. Right. Yeah. The, the auto decorate stuff that comes from the storage box can be put back in. You can undecorate basically, but the, you know, the individual items, the cards, the, the festive swags, the, the tinsel the mm. christmas trees you have to put all of them as far as i can tell into storage individually mm. so i'm I'm not going to necessarily try and draw too much of a parallel here but we're currently sat in the living room uh which currently still has christmas lights i don't need to talk to you about the, this <laughs> around i the, don't the ceiling. need to explain my choices <laughs> okay. at all okay certainly don't need to explain the one two three Four, five sets of Christmas lights that are still decorating the room. And it is the 11th of July. Well, there's no point. It's almost back around. Indeed. <laughs> what I'm saying is that perhaps the issue here is not The Sims 4 Seasons feature set, but a broader desire for it to be Christmas every day. You know that I listen to Christmas music all year round. I do. I did you a courtesy by taking down the miniature Christmas tree last month, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still grateful. I, you know, I think the lights are nice. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, the I've always found that like Sims is interesting because... I can't move on. It's Christmas all the time, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Groundhog Day, but if Groundhog Day was set on Christmas instead of... Christmas is delightful. Groundhog Day. It is. It is. Where's my festive ham? <laughs> You there? What again. day is this? <laughs> it's Christmas Day, sir. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Buy me a ham, as that story famously goes. No, bring me your hams. Bring me the biggest, I don't know, goose and deliver it to Bob Cratchit's house. Yeah. Mm. And then they all sing and then the get songs. me a ham. I'm not going. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's the season. To be jolly and joyous. Da, 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 da. Is this, uh, uh, the answer to this is obviously yes, but is that story inseparable from the Muppets in uh, your yeah. head? Yeah, it is for me as well. Um, Charles Dickens is well boring. It is, yeah. And you're named after a character from a Dickens novel. Uh, <laughs> therefore, I'm allowed to have this opinion. 
What I was going to say about The Sims was, I, one thing that just frustrated me, like, I guess the game I kind of want The Sims to be a lot, and the one I sort of, like, go back to it for ages to try and find is the game that actually sort of gets in deep about stuff. And I always find myself compelled by it in the kind of collecty, sort of very easy to pass time with kind of way. Mm. But then ultimately pushed away by by something parts of its emptiness. Like, I think we've talked about on the podcast before, maybe even when The Sims 4 came out, about its its um its apoliticalness the the fact that everybody is sort of middle class you know the, the sort of the absence of um meaningful hardship really for a lot of people other than like comedy hardship um mm. um those uh, but also time is super weird in the sims traditionally like you know by default like you know a lifespan of a human being might be basically like two weeks of in-game mm. time like there's you know because it goes to the, it, it bothers to it's a really interesting simulation in some ways because you can do abstract time scales and that's fine but the sims actually tracks every minute of every hour of every day in the sims lives and certain actions are scaled against real time in a way like sort of so like you go to work for seven hours but anything shorter than that any any task shorter than an eight hour day of work takes far longer than it does in real life so you get in the shower in the morning and you're in the shower for an hour and a half and then you get out of the shower and you make an omelet and making an omelet takes you two hours and then you you take the bins out and that's half an hour even though you're just walking out the house because of the speed at which time progresses and then you know you suddenly then you end the vast compression in the other direction where like you have a baby the next day the baby's a toddler a week later the baby's a teenager i can't remember if this is just because i've turned off aging in mm. various ways but you age up in the sims 4 by blowing out candles on a birthday cake mm. like that's an auto age up like thing um so i'm really wary of celebrating loretta's birthday because i've switched off aging for her but if i do that it'll be, yeah. it'll take that as my deliberate aging up of her um and so i've already accidentally made her an elder which is a problem because it means that roller skating is quite painful mm. or uh, risky. It's risky. Yeah. And woohooing with the ghost of her dead wife is also <laughs> risky. <laughs> Not like wooing. <laughs> yeah, that house is haunted. Right. It's haunted as hell. Right. That's a, that's a so, Patrick Swayze ass ghost situation. You've it's got because there. I drowned her wife in the pool that was in our bedroom. Why? Uh, because it was, um, so I had got her wife because <laughs> I, well, no. Got so a wife. Essentially, I flagged Katrina down as she walked past and found out that she had like a family oriented trait mm. and i <laughs> that'll do you thought well yeah because it was for a feature where i was trying to raise a baby mm. it was to obtain and raise a child successfully to adulthood um and so i needed a a a, a carer for that <laughs> child that i didn't have to pay for um and so katrina had to be that but then once the child uh <laughs> had left home and i I did try marrying her at that point because I realised we'd been engaged for the whole duration of the child's life and hadn't really made any progress. That's on what I'm saying, but time scales. So we got engaged. Uh, no, we got married finally. And then I just sort of, it didn't really help. It didn't change anything. I still found her a bit annoying. I think she kept 
kicking the treehouse down outside because she was really frustrated because <laughs> she wasn't allowed to do anything but look after a child for 18 years. Um, so I, I thought I'd take the traditional way out and drown her in the swimming pool. Jesus Christ. Um, but the only swimming pool was in the bedroom. Why? And also then the Sims can get out of swimming pools. Did you know that? If you remove the ladder, they can get out like They're normal evolving. people. You know, they're mm. just like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just heave myself out like a, a human would do. Mm. So I had to not only put her back in and then remove, you know, basically make sure the ladder wasn't there, etc., but also had to then plant a series of shrubs, uh, along the side so she couldn't get out. And so that also Loretta couldn't see her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then, so she died and her ghost just sort of hangs around. So I have been experimenting with the extent to which that is a thing that Loretta can interact with. Turns out, <laughs> lots of, uh, hmm, bumpy mm, pumpy. You got way beyond pottery. Mm-hmm. And also, I think my ghost cat is ill, but I can't, like, look after it. Because it was just like, you know, you, you have the option to click on the cat and sort of, you know, one of the things on the, the wheel of options is what's wrong. And <laughs> that dead. way you can find out if it needs to be taken to the vet or whatever. Um, and it was like, oh, you know, Mr. Wiggles needs feeding. And it's like, no, Mr. Wiggles doesn't need feeding. Mr. <laughs> Wiggles doesn't have a corporeal tummy anymore. So, I mean, like, I feel like there's something going wrong there. <laughs> like, cause there was no option for ghost kibble. It really mm. is just, I can put food down for him or not, but I sold his food bowl cause he was dead. Yeah, as you would. So, although I did forget to move his ashes for a very long time. Where were they? Uh, just in the hall. <laughs> I just stepped round them every day. <laughs> I just forgot. Um, cause they were where a half wall was just obscuring it from the, um, mm. viewpoint. That's that completely I understandable. Usually... Yeah where I usually look from. The best thing, though, about holidays is that you can make your own oh, cool. in the game. And so I made the Day of Grudges. <laughs> of course you did. And so what it does is it lets you name the day. It lets you assign traditions to that day, like up to five from the list mm. that they have preset. And there's quite a lot of things, you know, there's like, I think like water fights or, you know, that kind yeah, of yeah. thing. So the Day of Grudges... Let's see if I can remember this because I did assign five because I wanted to make sure that, you know, there was a lot to do. Mm. Um, and one of them, the most logical was air grievances. So mm. that's definitely in there. And then there was drinking because I thought, well, yes. Mm. Um, remembrance is one of them, which is how I discovered that the urn was still there because I could then <laughs> because mourn you re my remembered cat. It. Right, well, no, yeah. I could mourn the cat there you see without mm. having to go outside because outside is where the gravestone of my wife is <laughs> um <laughs> anyway um and what were the other two fighting mm. which technically loretta doesn't have to do because she's an elder so some of the activities like if you're a toddler if you're an elder you know that kind of thing you are exempt from some of them that just don't make sense which mm. is quite you know it's forward thinking 
word smart because otherwise you'd have just massively inappropriate stuff I guess um and I think the last one is just telling stories because I thought that maybe you could (laughs) about awful shit people have done exactly so there's an amazing screenshot which I absolutely love which is just Loretta standing in the front garden like clutching a cocktail that she's mixed and telling a child that that his life choices are terrible <laughs> and then she shoves him <laughs> we're so good oh happy grudge day everybody i know and then even though she didn't have to she i made her get into a fight with a student <laughs> I was like, you you there young man come here like most people's ocs there's a lot of you in loretta i think <laughs> it's a lot of wish fulfillment, yeah. I tell you that. <laughs> Bless. Um, so yeah, and then, you know, there's the usual, you can woohoo with Father Christmas and, you, can... <laughs> you know, Christmas stuff. Well, the Sims stuff. You fuck I Santa suppose, and that's that, you know? yeah. Um, and then there's the whole, you know, the, the crops side of things. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just banging on crops. Well, you know, so, uh, the, the harvestable plants are now mm. bound to particular seasons. So, you know, it's essentially that you look after your garden and spring rolls around and suddenly a bunch of things burst into flower and other things die off. You know, it's quite, you know, mm. it's quite involved. And that's, I think that I assume that's why it made sense to flesh out the gardening career paths at this point. Mm. So Loretta cool. is like really good at flower arranging. I imagine you would be after that life. Mm. Well, it's because she had like, she had a lot of bluebells about her person. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I thought waste not, want not and got involved with the flower, flower arranging racket. Mm. Mm. And the bees just hang out, you know, I can, I can what, like dust them for mites and stuff. And I can also try and befriend them. But then also sometimes if I'm just like standing nearby a little, um, you know, in your task queue, mm. <laughs> stung will appear. And so like I try and get rid of it each time, but obviously sometimes you don't. And Loretta just gets stung. And that's all my Sims for news. Good. Oh, also she accidentally went on holiday. Did I tell you about this? She went on holiday by mistake. Well, no, she said that she needed a holiday. So I stupidly took her on one instead of, you know, making her work harder. Um, <laughs> making her stop complaining to me about it because shut up. Um, but it meant going to this, uh, tropical kind of retreat mm. uh, place. And she was at the, the kind of, plaza i guess the main sort of square where there were all of these stalls there were some food stalls um and in one of them i sort of i noticed that it had got to i think it was you know it must have been closing time because the flaps of it came down Mm. um and i couldn't see where she was so i clicked to center it and it just had her little plum bob poking out of the top of this thing and it was red because i think i hadn't you know fed her or watered Mm. her or she wasn't clean for you know Mm. for a while um and so i was seeing this red plum bob sticking out of the top of this you know stall and then suddenly it turned green and i was like what's going on in there and i wondered whether she'd like you know shacked up with someone or like you know there was some rumpy bumpy going on and she was having a great time and then um about an hour or so later the the 
the sides went up and then she's just standing there holding a burger and a great time just looks like the happiest person i was like i really like you <laughs> oh good yeah that reminds me actually in terms of best lives mm. um so did you see that this is almost news if i think about it mm. did you see that minecraft's been updated with undersea biome stuff and dolphins and i didn't see that it had finally dropped but i've been keeping a vague so, eye on that so that's stuff. why i want to ask is like is that because that that version of minecraft the one that's now been updated mm-hmm. with the update is exclusive to windows 10 <laughs> where you know which of these two poles is more you know repellent or appealing like would you know would this the the availability of blocky dolphins make you confront your most hated enemy microsoft windows 10 i think that i can't log into minecraft because not after the last time no as in genuinely i think that there's a problem with my account because i can't remember the login details but i that i bought i didn't buy that account it was a gift from a friend long enough ago that it wasn't any of their current systems right and so if you want to reset your account and you can't find your details in that respect Mm. you have to i I believe you have to get in touch with them with like the the email like the proof of purchase and stuff but i don't have it because it wasn't i didn't purchase it fine so it was like it's a gift and thus i actually genuinely don't think i have access to my chris microsoft to minecraft anymore. well in that case but, would this get you to buy it but um i was genuinely interested in seeing how the undersea stuff worked because the the actual um things like the corals and stuff actually looked interesting you know it, mm. it looked like a an environment that I wanted to have a poke around at least if, even if not, um, yeah. you know, ultimately spend much time in because I do find Minecraft beautiful. I just, you know, I don't find much to do after a while. Like I have a, I have a long old wander. Mm. I see whatever it has generated for me in that particular seed or whatever. And then I don't want to spend time building anything. It's not a building tool set that I particularly yeah, find it's an exploration game kind of thing. Rewarding, yeah. And so I, I think I would probably, you know, have a have a dive, have an explore, and then you know, after a couple of hours of taking screenshots or having a poke around, I'd probably be done. Mm, that sounds reasonable. So it's probably not worth the money but i mean to be fair the last time that i spent any significant amount of time in minecraft it was on a friend's shared server and i invited you over and you blew up my house i wondered how long it was going to be until that got mentioned it was a really good house i made an actual light up disco dance floor i really I, did it was there was so much effort that went into that and I you came in and you I were like i've brought my friend the creeper it followed Boom. me and then that happened and then I never logged into that server again. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> well, a very happy I winter, Mr. to you. Well, I did loads of redstone, like, you know, circuitry to make the, the disco floor work. <laughs> I am sorry. Or like, what can I say? For you this weren't reading- sorry at the time. You wouldn't apologize. I couldn't get an apology out of you for days. <laughs> I remember this. It's the day of grudges. Indeed. Uh, every Thank day. Goodness. This is the issues. Every day is Christmas. 
Mm. Every day is also the day of grudges. Mm. Um, of the other games you've played, yeah. what stands out as, as, as things people should check out? I'm trying to think. Um, the others weren't, the, I wasn't bowled over by the others, although Ashi has a kind of, um, there's an appealing, quality to it in that it's like a spatial puzzler that mm. I found quite straightforward, like very easy. But when you completed a sufficiently complicated level in terms of how the movement unfolds, it's you are guiding a firefly around a little obstacle course on the surface of the water using lanterns to to guide it and to bend it round corners and things um and so i i liked the idea behind it and several of the levels were actually really pleasing just to watch them play out almost mm. like um in a kind of mouse trap-esque yeah, way Rube of Goldberg just machine kind of yeah, thing. yeah like not as complicated but you know there was a pleasure to watching that unfold so mm. and given it's only i think it's only like two or three quid so I think yeah what's that's the full name one. again it's called ashy lake of light Mm. And so I thought that was quite a sweet one to kind of give a mention and it might be a nice one for people to maybe play with their kids if their kids are into little puzzle games, just because, mm. you know, and I don't want to suggest that kids, you know, like massively easy things. Kids like Fortnite. <laughs> Fortnite involves too many fingers. You need at least four hands. Mm. Um, so, but I think it might be the sort of thing that, that you could play with a, you know, with a slightly younger kid or, mm. or if spatial puzzle stuff, like 2D spatial puzzles aren't your natural wheelhouse. I think the, the difficulty curve is gentle enough that mm. it might be, it might be easy, not easy. It might be approachable. You yeah. Know? Accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I appreciate that I'm the sort of person that is still gradually chipping away at Steven's sausage roll, a game mm. that actively hates you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that is really not for everybody. So I think it's very much at the opposite end of the puzzle spectrum. And mm. I think that there is value to that. Yeah. So. I, I do too. I think, I think these experiences can and should be available at different levels of engagement. Um, also Dr. Frank's Builder Boyfriend is mm, fun. That's a good I, name for a game. I like what that. do you do in it? So Is it like the Builder Bear workshop? I've mentioned it a couple of times, I think, in the current PC or the, the issue of PC Gamer that we've sent to print. But um basically what it is is a visual novel crossed with a point and click. So it's kind of I think it was made for a game jam. Mm. And you play as Dr. Frank, which is a riff on the Frankenstein yeah. story. Um and you ha <laughs> you have been dumped uh and you decide that the best way to get back at your ex-boyfriend is to build a new boyfriend and take that incredibly fit new boyfriend along to the academic conference that you are both attending <laughs> and basically be so over it and under someone else that it is spectacular it's basically a, a dating revenge mm. fantasy slash you know just quite funny <laughs> Mm. quite sweet um visual novel slash you know point and click um i really liked its sense of humor it's not safe for work um but uh but not in the sense that i think that 
sounds like. It's mm. more in the sense of, you know, you have to acquire body parts for this Frankenstein's monster that you're building. And one of those body parts is a penis, basically. Yeah. So, um, but it's not in the sense of, you know, uh, erotica. It's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's as erotic as finding a spare dick. <laughs> I just found it really funny. Mm. And like the, the dialogue is actually genuinely, you know, I found it really entertaining oh, cool. and I have been. Where is that available? It is it on lot. Steam? Is it? A- yeah, it's on Steam free of charge. I think it's probably on Itchio as well. Mm. So uh, yeah, just have a little cool. look. Mm. And Cognizer is uh, a puzzle game that is about tiles and it's this super simple thing that is obviously for mobile primarily but it's you know you get a grid of tiles they are different colors and they have different uh symbols on them and then you have a uh, a smiley face and a happy face and if a that you know if a color is listed next to the happy face then you are supposed to click on that thing and if it is next to the sad face you are not allowed to click on it otherwise you lose a life and so oh i see yeah you'll have things like happy face being blue and triangle and you'll have sad face being pink and diamond and so if something is blue then you'll you know click Mm. all of them unless there's a diamond on there in which case it's not safe anymore and then you know you'll also go around and click all of the whatever it was that i said was on the happy face those symbols except if they're pink because that was a sad face thing and it's one of those things that sounds so simple once you start doing it and you've like oh you know i've got all the time in the world 45 seconds that's loads and then suddenly you know about six levels in it's you know there's three symbols listed next to the thing you can't remember which color is which you aren't sure which shapes are anymore and you've got 15 seconds and you're kind of like oh that's cool actually so it's you know it's a very basic thing but it's surprisingly difficult and i believe it's free Cool. Is that also a Steam thing? Yeah, I found thing? both of those on Steam, actually. I think they were, they it just threw them up as free downloads in my, whatever my Steam storefront tries to do nowadays because it can't cope mm. with. Do you, do you remember when I was playing Bioshock and I think it was so ecstatic that I'd finally played a mainstream game that it just said, Oh my goodness, do you want to play Doom? Do you want to play Wolfenstein? Could you be possibly interested in Team Fortress? <laughs> it's just kind of like, nah, <laughs> you're all right. Thanks. I'm going to wait another, I don't know, 14 years. <laughs> but yeah, so. That's my life this last couple of weeks. Cool. Mm. Let's do some questions, why not? How weird. How I unexpected. Know. Let's do some questions. Our first question comes from Jeff, and it is entitled Jeff Goldblum. Jeff but with a J or a G? J, both Js. Hmm. Both both Jeffs identical in, in all but bit one of them being Jeff Goldblum. Um, he writes... Your developers were so preoccupied with whether or not they could get Jeff Goldblum, they didn't stop to think if they should get Jeff Goldblum, which is a reference to my issues with Jeff Goldblum in uh, Jurassic Park Oh, did Evolution. you talk through them? I did, at some length. Um, he, he follows up with the question. Also a question, as reviewers, you probably often find yourself critiquing game design decisions, but have you ever had strong opinions on a business decision a studio has made? That's Jeff from Nova Scotia. 
Um, I thought we'd read this out because I suspect that you have some strong opinions about business decisions that developers have made. (laughs) Well, I think everyone who regularly plays games has opinions about some of the business decision decision the business decisions just because the price points will often impact them Mm. um and so things like microtransactions are very much a player concern and you know so on and so forth and i i think in terms of business decisions that i come back to a lot i would say i it's one of those things because obviously you don't you almost always don't know who is making the decision so you sort of or you know the exact processes Mm. by which something came about so i try not to veer into you know assuming that i know exactly why something has come about but the ones that feel problematic from my perspective as a player are things like i get really annoyed about the international i get yeah, i get the, really annoyed I about the battle pass say. yeah um in recent years not when it first started because it felt like it was kind of an unknown quantity and valve were taken by surprise by mm. how popular it was but i think certainly things like this year when as part of the the rubric about how it was all going to work um valve kind of position oh and if if you if the community gets the prize pool to i think it was like what 30,000 30 million dollars mm. um everyone gets extra treats essentially yeah everyone gets extra digital cosmetics which will obviously you know there'll be a development cost attached to it but they're not you know that you assign yeah. to people's accounts, right? Um, and it was such a kind of, oh, you know, it'll be a nice thing and 30 million for the player account, you know, for the, for the, sorry, for the prize pool and, and, you know, you, you get treats. And it was so averse to the, you know, it positioned it as such a kind of community thing and a rewards for players thing. And essentially Valve get, the other 75% of the investment. So, you know, Valve put in, what is it, $1.6 million yeah, to the prize pool. Yeah, and they're saying if you can And the rest us- of it is, you know, it, it, the rest of it is 25% of the investment that players have made in the Battle Pass overall. And so to boost the prize pool by... Um, and saying to, to give Valve ninety million dollars, basically. Well, well, yeah, it's slightly less because of the one point six investment, but essentially it was saying we'll give you some hats if you give us eighty-eight point four million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, uh, it's not quite anyway. But yeah, it's basically between mm. eighty and ninety million dollars. Valve will get, and you get some hats. And it just felt so disingenuous the way it was framed. And I, I find more and more with that battle pass, I just feel so 
gouged by it and so kind of yeah. it feels so grindy you know you can't really level up and you know well that's or, the interesting thing can you that's gotten better every year oh has it yeah so because i like, think maybe i tapped out when i got really angry with the first yeah like, so that's the weird thing is like it's gotten gr- more grasping in terms of well that specific thing of offering this mm. extra bonus if the price pool gets to a certain amount um the rate of growth year on year has, has slowed um, but this year is the most fun it has ever been to simply level it up without paying. Like, I, I mean, this is the first year I haven't, cause they usually sell two. They usually sell like the seven quid start at level one pack and the 25 quid start at yeah. level 75 pack. And I previous years I always just got the level 75 one because it's like, you know, it's a free game that I've spent thousands of hours playing. I'll mm. pay 25 quid a year for this thing for hats basically and and this year i just went for the seven quid one and i level i've leveled it up to something like 50 odd just by playing and playing the battle royale mode they added and all of this stuff um the fact that that bonus mode most of them come with like a bonus mode and some challenges and quests and stuff all of that stuff is is markedly better this year than it has been previously mm-hmm. um but i agree with you on the other side like i think i think the thing gets better but the principle is still there are flaws with it so. i think that's fair i think i think the the thing is that i've become progressively less involved with dota because i got i started to just i started to fall away from it naturally i think mm. because i was you know working with it less and playing it less and the the group that i had to play with you know moved on to other things um and so I, it it slipped out of my general rotation and the battle pass is, it it does nothing to make me want to go back. Um, and so the sense that I had was, uh, you know, and so I do, I do look each year and I do check in and some of the things look quite fun, but the, the parts of it that I would want or that I would like are usually too far up the, the ladder of levels that yeah. than, than one could get with a full-time job if one started at the, at the bottom. And also I, I think it, <laughs> I, it also fits within a larger sort of not not grievance, but a larger sort of discomfort with how Valve often frame their requests of the community. Mm. Um, you know, essentially, to me, it often feels like they're farming out work to the community and the benefit is disproportionately in Valve's favour. Yeah. And I know that that's an oversimplified way of of looking at it and that different people will get different things out of, you know, that exposure. And it very Mm. much depends on the the project. But so I am only talking in very general terms, but that has been my overriding impression of the company for, for a while on that front is that I'm not comfy with some of the yeah it's interesting because like the, the it feels like battle passes which is a system that dota more or less invented this idea of a seasonal mm. pass in order to earn fixed rewards from mini games and quests and, and those kinds of things um is becoming the new loot boxes like um there was actually a, a good season I, passes and things yeah as well. um well season passes with, with something else like Battle Pass as a specific concept. Uh, like, 
um, where you have a, a calendar of rewards that you, um, you get for getting specific things rather than a kind of content release schedule. The content is all delivered up front with the battle pass. It's just that you, you know, you join in with other players over a period of time to get access to it. Uh, there was a good article on PC Gamer recently uh, about how um, Fortnite uses this model taken from Dota. And um, and this may well be as uh, legislation begins to crack down on loot boxes in different ways and in different territories. There's, uh, you know, the whisper on the wind is that this is the system that will replace loot boxes. I think as well consumers generally seem to feel more comfy with it you know yeah. you, you don't feel as gouged or as vulnerable the crucial thing is you know what the rewards are so mm. you know that like okay i want this particular thing it arrives at level 100 yeah whether or not whatever the thing you have to do in terms of time or money to get to level 100 is that is a lot more transparent than a loot box with a, a random number generator yeah. attached. I mean, and, I enjoy it in other forms. I mean, I, yeah. I Animal Crossing has been rolling, you know, it, it, mm. it um, Pocket Camp, this is, has been, uh, basically since the first fishing event, it got really good at, um, at this cadence of always having something to do, you know, mm. every, you know, every few days after, I don't know, one event closes, another one seems to start and it, you know, seems to alternate between the fishing ones and the, and the plant based ones. But essentially you are, you plant a bunch of seeds and when they flower, you get a bunch of insects that are attracted to those flowers. And then there's a percentage chance when you catch those insects, you know, or, mm. or that you will catch them. And then you, you, as you collect more of them, you earn certain rewards. Yeah. There's like in-game fiction around, you know, <laughs> why you're doing it. But, um, and so that, that feels knowable to me because I can figure out where I'm happy to spend my time or my mm. resources or, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm not saying that it's, that it's a bad model per se, or that I don't enjoy it in some forms. I just find the phrasing is very important to as to whether I'm okay with. Yeah, that's what I find interesting because happening. if we take Fortnite's implementation, for example, that's like I get what you're saying. Like the weaknesses of Valve's implement, like so Fortnite implements that stuff, but without any of the crowdfunded uh, element mm. and without any of the uh, community-made content element. And I get. I definitely get what you're saying that like, so that is in a, in a far more kind of, you know, well understood commercial bounds. You buy this, you get the hats. Um, it feels like the, the problems that you have with Valve's implementation of it with Dota is that it, it taps into this other stuff about, you know, community creators getting paid for stuff and also uh, esports getting funded by it, which is, I get it because I think there is a sort of, um, I think Valve do underplay how much of a profit driver, how much money it makes for them. You know, the, the notion that it is this pure community effort is disingenuous. However, the Fortnite implementation gives no money to anybody um, other than Epic. Um, the, the the Dota one legitimately does, um, but it's almost like in that attempt they put themselves in territory that they then have to be more careful in than they are. I don't know. Like, I think there's a couple of things, and and I hope that I phrase them right because it's quite a thorny subject and i 
would usually try and sort of, you know, take a few drafts of this if I were writing it down. But I think that specifically with the situation with the international, um, with the, the community funding element of it, mm. I think there's a risk that, you know, uh, that if you hide behind that too, too much, it, means that you are essentially using people's goodwill to drive the profit to your company right it's, yeah yeah it it and this isn't to draw a a parallel but to just sort of illustrate the point it's kind of like saying 10 percent of this sale will go to a charity you know it's mm. you know there's an element of that that's a bit like are you then profiteering it- off someone's goodwill towards a different thing i don't think that's quite fair either but you know it's i you know because obviously there's a kind of business cost well there's also just a bunch of other factors that play into that kind of Hmm. stuff or that kind of giving so i don't i don't want to say that they're comparable exactly but it's it illustrates hopefully a bit of that basic point and so when you say oh, if you chip into this, you're essentially like supporting these people's dreams. It's kind of, I find that quite icky because it's like, eh, <laughs> you know, mm. it's like, that's that's not the whole story. And yeah. you are profiting off people buying into that specific narrative right. quite yeah. hard. And so that's why that makes me, it, it gives me pause for thought because mm. it's it's very deliberately only putting forward the one part of the story yeah and they, they're not hiding it but they're just not you know yeah. mentioning it in the same breath and it it skews it's, how that it's, feels it is, to me it is funny isn't it because the other part the other things that use this system with no money with 100 percent of the money going to the developer don't mention money at all they don't mention it and you know it's almost like the fact that you're being told 25 percent of this is going to something you care about is more disquieting than we are 100% making money from this. I think it just it introduces a question about, you know, about motives and about whether people are legitimately trying to help a thing or whether they're just trying to benefit from it or whether, you know, and again, I'm not lobbying these, uh, lobbying this, these accusations at specific companies, but I'm saying that it provokes a very different way of thinking about them for mm. me that I, I I want to interrogate more because if something is just, do you want to give this person your money? Yeah. Then that's, you know, there might be some that are a bit more. There's of a, a lot of stuff it's, that's in this territory. Yeah. Like I think, I think like I, 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 you know, you know, there's like, I don't necessarily agree about Valve stuff particularly, but like, I agree that in general, there's a danger area around sort of um, fund this out of principle. Like, um, fund this because you feel like you should, um, or because, you know, we're all in this, like the kind mm. of like fostering a sense of, of an in crowd that remains an in crowd because they pay. Mm. Uh, that I think is, that is a, that's a, a, a enormously like, um, common loop now. Like that is spans things like Twitch subscriptions, uh, for particular channels, uh, to, um, all sorts of things, right? Like it's a, it's a very modern business model is just to sort of allow people to buy their way in, um, to a, a sense of, 
identity or something like that's, you know, that I think I always, you know, it gives me pause, I think like, cause I, I worry about how that fits into people's lives and what it actually means to, 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 um, to support something. And I say this as somebody who runs the Patreon for mm. this podcast, for example, but there's a reason that we've never, or I've never wanted us to offer anything, really anything in return for Patreon backing. You don't get a special Discord channel or, or special access to us or, or special episodes or anything because I wanted to make it really clear that like, and obviously enormously grateful to everybody who backs us on Patreon because it's like you just allow this to happen. Mm. And yeah, we and couldn't do it without we it. We couldn't do it without it. And it's enormously, enormously, uh, you know, important uh, to this being able to happen, but I didn't want people to feel like they had to mm. in order to get access to, to be a, a quote unquote, a real, you know, listener or anything like that. Like that doesn't, that doesn't feel right to me. So there's, I'm, I'm happy with this middle ground where it's like, if people want to, it's enormously appreciated, but it is also optional. And it's interesting watching people try to navigate that because different solutions fit different types of community as well. Yeah. But um, the other thing that I would say that complicates the Dota thing slightly is that I have argued for a long time that that, that specific prize pool is actually not healthy for the scene. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's like, it's also by choosing not to put, participate it's about you know yeah not supporting that sort of weird um injection of cash into a scene that sort of destabilizes it so massively even with the um with the the advent of the majors and minors kind of cadence of yeah um for of, sure yeah of the competitive season so um there's another business model but shall we Shall we move on? Yeah, or? I think that's probably enough on, on eSports okay. funding. It wasn't eSports. It's The Sims. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But that tends to be that I, I get to this point and everything's fine because I tend to own the, the bits that make it the game that I want to play, um, whether that's through work or whether that's through, mm. you know, my own purchases. But but often when it when one of those cycles starts up, I remember with Sims 3, I'd come to it from The Sims 4 and I was suddenly like, Oh, it's an empty game and I'm going to have to rebuy everything. And yeah. I just felt so kind of sad. So this is an interesting and- one. Like the only, I remember talking to Maxis about this and the only justification of it is that for a lot of people, Sims is the only game they play. And yeah. so this is like someone's, you know, what anyone else, uh, what anyone with a, a broader gaming habit would spend on games in a year. Some people spend on Sims expansions. But- so I get that. And I think that for the hardcore players that works, but for people like me who want to be able to dip in and out more, if this wasn't my job, I'm not sure I could justify it. Mm. And that's why I've sort of been trying to, almost like as a thought experiment, work out what form of subscription model might work for it. Because I was kind of, you know, I would happily pay like, you know, a couple of quid a month for a few, you know, or, yeah, you know, yeah. a few quid a month for a few months to sink back into it, but, and have all of the stuff available, but not have to, you know, make an investment of, you know, dozens of. Well, I, I was thinking about that because I was like, oh, maybe I want to play The Sims again because you know, I get that every couple of months. And then I was like, oh, no, that's a series of big. Mm. So that's an interesting one. But anyway. Let's leave money behind for a moment 
Now let's talk about crunchy things. Kingsley writes, Dear Crunch and Fracture, I've been playing a lot of Prey Moon Crash, which is a brilliant game with one really off-putting feature, the crunchy snapping noise of walking with the Broken Bones debuff is unpleasantly evocative and really turns my stomach every time I hear it. Yeah. I'm sure that's the intended effect, but I can't remember ever feeling anything this strongly due to an audio clue. Are there any other sounds in games that elicit such strong emotions? Love the pod. Kingsley. I hate whispering. You hate whispering generally, yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah, it makes me... It's It's like nails down a blackboard for me whispering like mm. just there used to be an advert that was on uk tv loads and it was for skittles and it just had a child whispering taste the rainbow at the end and it made me feel physically sick like i <laughs> i cannot did you deal with hellblade <laughs> no don't play hellblade because <laughs> that's the game with the binaural surround sound yeah whispering yeah yeah, it's so good just, as well. And like, um, it would give you the intended effect. Like it is supposed to be unsettling. Mm. Hmm. I'm trying to think about like specific, um, I don't, like I get, I, I totally get what Kingsley's saying about the, um, the broken bones thing in Prey because it is grim. <laughs> I think generally I don't have this relationship with sounds. I get it with certain animations. There Do you, are there any particular ones that bring spring to mind? Is it the the holes thing that what? that bothers you? Oh God, trypophobia. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have. Uh, like my equivalent to this is anything with an element of that. Yeah. Um, the um, the you used to get funny about Destiny on that front, didn't you? Yeah, I guess there's the hive stuff in Destiny used to weird me out a bit. Uh, the any uh, both Bioshock games have some element of this. It's the bee powers where the insects hatch from your arms that kind of thing mm. um bioshock uh, gets me as well but it's the injections because right, i can't yeah, deal with injections. injections yeah i'm trying to think of the sound specifically uh but no like i think i'm quite visual with this with things that make me really uncomfortable like um not specific sound effects anyway because i think you're like oh well you know alien isolation uses sound really really well mm. um i've actually just, i've tensed my shoulder yeah. as I, if I, someone's I, about to whisper i feel in my cold ear, in my hands now because i was just thinking about eh. i was just thinking about arms breaking into like barnacle sized wounds because of the bioshock b arm <laughs> power so thanks for that kingsley i <laughs> uh, appreciate that yeah um i yeah i get that way about anything that you do you ever have any of those things that you hate enough that make you so uncomfortable that you have to Google them? Um, that's the, this is the essence of no, horror. No, I don't think so, but I know what you, I, I know what you're getting at because I know that a lot of people do that or they'll yeah. have, you know, certain things that, images that freak them out but they'll look at for a good two seconds before you know slamming the book shut and never mm. opening it again until the next time or you know that kind of thing mm. i used to have images in a book about um like terrible things that happened you know things like um uh spontaneous combustion mm. and things which were really disquieting but it was 
to me, it wasn't a sort of horrified fascination. So I'd look at them. It was, I used to keep those pages clamped shut and like cover the images while I was reading the text and stuff and, and put heavy things on top of the books so that the images couldn't get out in the night, things like that when I was really little. And I think it's kind of persisted to this day because, you know, we didn't go down the, the far end of the PS4 menu because that was where PT <laughs> lived. <laughs> Yeah, so. <laughs> the um, the neck snap sound in PT is a very good bit of horror sound design. Again, I did not get that far. You, I believe you did, but you were hiding behind. Oh, I was probably trying not to be sick. Wasn't yeah, I? good, yeah. good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good. It's a really interesting thought. Like, if any knuckles uh, popping really bothers me. Mm. Really bothers me. But that's not going to occur in games very often, is it, I suppose? Occasionally people will do that thing where they flex their fingers before they, you know, pick up a weapon mm. and stuff like that. Suppose... But it, it it's not a repeated sound. I have a bad habit of getting uh, phrases stuck in my head or like particular wordings of phrases or like deliveries of phrases. Mm. Um, and like often I won't even rem- after a certain amount of time, I won't even remember the... Um, original words it just becomes this kind of annoying recurring like you can't i guess you can't talk about voices having a melody but like a kind of sort of cadence t- cadence or like a pattern um it's not the same as hating it in the moment but like i played um Baldur's gate when i was a kid and the guy in the candle keep in at the start who says my old house is clean as an elven arse was just stuck in my head for possibly like the rest of my life <laughs> like um i my when i met my sort of like teenage best friend uh he had also played Baldur's gate and that got that, that just resurfaced and now i associate with him and that that phrase will never ever leave my head and that particular delivery of it which i didn't just do very well but anyone who's played Baldur's gate will know exactly what i mean mm. and that particular delivery was is is like there's some part of my fucking ram that is forever occupied by that phrase so while I was working at RPS, my beloved former colleague, Alice O'Connor, went through a phase of talking to me exclusively in the cadence of Fred from the B-52s. Mm. And one of the things that she actually recorded and sent to me just to, to as, as a throwaway joke got stuck in my head. And had been there for several days. And this is really recently. So I asked her to actually just send it to me again. Because <laughs> I thought, do you know what? You know, it's that thing of you've got an earworm. So you think, oh, I'll listen to yeah, it. Yeah. And it will hopefully dislodge it. And not only did that not work. I then decided at 1am because it's so hot and I wasn't sleeping properly and I'm on deadline and it's been deadline for a million years and I was slightly delirious that I would set it as my alarm ringtone (laughs) and I forgot about that until this morning at (laughs) 8am when I was awoken by the dulcet tones of Alice O'Connor doing an impression of Fred from the B-52s in the most echoey room in Scotland. Those <laughs> so, high ceiling the number of rooms. So yeah, that's um, that's certainly a thing that has happened off the back of my involvement in gaming. <laughs> Good. Our next question comes from Alex, who writes, what enforceable change would you make to lower toxicity in online team games? 
goodness. So there are a lot of serious answers to this, and we could possibly get into them. Uh, this is probably uh, bouncing off Overwatch's recent and arguably successful changes. Mm. Um, I would, and I may have said this before, but it frustrates me. I would remove. You can you can have damage People's characters. Hands. <laughs> no more typing no. for I would, you. I would place a moratorium on like uh, tra- traditionally cool characters. By traditionally cool, I mean laziest derivations from 80s cartoons and 90s comic books. So I'm talking about your Genjis. I'm talking <laughs> about your... your Widowmaker? No, she's weird. Like, that's... Widowmaker's fine, because, like... I would... But she's a sniper, and therefore people will flock, because people love to showboat. But that's fine. It's fine, because the character... Like, you can be more original with it. But, like, I'm talking about your... I'm talking about in, like, Lawbreakers, interesting cast of characters until you get to the dual knives, dual pistol men. And they're always the dual knives, dual pistol men. Basically... So 76 in Overwatch then. Yeah, he's an old man. There's a slightly different thing. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the cool young man characters, I think. Uh, I'm talking about, like, any time where you've, like, we've designed a DPS character, therefore I sort of like this. Basically what I'm saying is, down with rogues. <laughs> in principle... Um, because if you, um, you, you want to be tough on rogues and tough on the causes of rogues. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that means basically giving, um, people who will instantly flock to what they perceive to be the coolest character in the room, nowhere to go. And therefore, hopefully they'll, they'll channel that, uh, initial sense of lostness into, into more productive things. By all means, have DPS characters, but make them look different. I was going to say, I, I, relatedly and sort of building on that, I would say, keep Genji in the game, give him clown shoes. Big squeaky shoes. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I <laughs> see, I, I'm, there's a lot of, I'm actually real, I'm, I'm real fond of those sorts of balance changes. Um, like, keep Genji in the game, but give him Goofy's voice. <laughs> what does Goofy sound like? Uh, like, it's the sort of, the you Can't know, the all shucksy kind of... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Or Deputy Dog. Yeah, exactly. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Like, I think by making something... Because this is the issue I have, is often those are the roles in... And this is not 100% linked to toxicity, but it is, it is linked to... Uh, brinksmanship, which is often like, brinksmanship is often the death of online team games because, you know, one of the things I like about PUBG and it's ilk, but mm-hmm. to about PUBG is like, people in PUBG seem to understand that death can just sort of come from anywhere. And like, obviously high skill play is possible, but a lot of people, like, there's a strong element of chance and everyone's sort of just in it together and sometimes you don't get lucky with drops and things. And because there are no classes or anything, you just, you know, if you find an assault rifle early in the game, you're an assault rifle person now, there's, but it's, it's randomly distributed. There's, um, uh, to some extent, that means that there's no sort of sense of like you know relative power between teammates. Obviously, you have a sense of what each of you is good at. Mm. So you give your friend who's a good shot the good shooting rifle, etc. But the problem I have with team multiplayer games a lot of the time is simply that that division of power isn't managed well. And Dota is 100% about that. So that's almost fine because that's literally what the game is about. It's like yeah. successfully ne- negotiate this social situation and you'll win. Um, other team games, Overwatch or Lawbreakers or TF2 or, or whatever, Destiny, 
have this sort of breakdown into like, I know I'm the most important person here, but I'm, you know, everyone's sort of fighting each other because everyone thinks they're the most important person in the room. And that seems to coalesce around like sort of star player type attitudes. And therefore my proposed solution is to simply ban making those roles cool. You know? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that that is, a, I, I like that. Good, but I also am a big fa- fan of muting everybody by default because it, it that is something which has made my experience of multiplayer games better. You know, yeah. it's that yeah. thing. Oh, of, that's a, that, you know, yeah, that is a serious answer that is good. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's not a very helpful one. It's not about it, it, that. That then isn't about lowering toxicity. It's about not hearing toxicity, which, you know, it, mm. it, it helps in the sense that you are presumably then taking yourself out of that situation and not contributing to it and not sort of exacerbating it or having to engage with it and carrying it with you mm. into other games and things. But at the same time, that's not, you know, that that's more just me being uh, tired and grumpy and saying, oh, just shush now. <laughs> well, with that in mind, let's move on to this question from Matt, who writes, Formula E, an electric car racing series, will add Mario Kart style boost pads to its tracks next year. This is in real life, I should stress. Uh, what other... Hang on, what? In real, real life? Yeah. Or in games? No, in real life. They're adding boost pads. In real life? In real life. How does that work? I imagine... What's a boost pad? I imagine it'll be something like... Because it's electric carts. I imagine the carts will oh, be to a certain speed. And sorry, therefore... I thought you meant like this was an actual race with human people. Yeah, it is. There, yeah, there it is. Human people in the car? Yeah. In the car? Carts. Cart. Cart. Okay. I don't know, electric car racing... No, you're right. It is cars. Yeah. But like, is this like Scalex trick? No. Or is this like... Person-sized person cars. Okay. I think. <laughs> like, I'm 90% sure. Hang on. Like, okay. I'm going to Google Formula E just to make okay. sure. Because if it is Scalex, I don't want to sound like a total dickhead. <laughs> no, I'm just confused now. Let's see. Yeah, no, this is cars... With humans in them? Yeah. Okay. It's, they're like little Formula One cars, hence the formula thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. the thing. And and Aww. so um, I'm not going to totally um, claim to know what I'm talking about, but they are adding boost pads. Okay. Which is a progress towards the uh, wipeout world that I was promised. So well, I'm very they, happy about Are that. they also going to add shells and well, bananas? May I continue for the rest oh, of the question? Cool. What other video game power-ups should be added to other sports or life? Blue shells at the supermarket to take out the person with a full trolley when you only want some crisps? <laughs> I think that... Uh, <laughs> you imagine, though, because the rubber banding in that scenario would then mean that you were at the checkout before you'd even picked up the crisps. You'd just be like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, how am I here? <laughs> I think you've got to be a little careful with this question because... Uh, I didn't realize this when I was a child, but there's certain there's certain connotations to a lot of power ups. Mm. Like Ma- Mario eats big mushroom, he feels real big now. Okay. Um, Sonic gets all of the emeralds. He's super Sonic now. A metaphor for cocaine? You decide. Oh, um, I thought it was just a metaphor for being rich. 
Yeah, possibly both. <laughs> um, there's, you know. I didn't have Sonic growing up. Right. I was uh, too poor, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> I've had expensive video games on it, the Hedgehog. Well, I didn't have consoles growing mm, up. Oh, I see. Like I my brother. Was, yeah. No, my brother did because he saved up all of his pocket money for a million weeks. Right. Which is yeah. why he then charged me money. Yeah. Sega boy. Um, but you know, so, so there is that. So you could say like, oh, I'd like a big star that makes me invincible and right. glittery. I mean, I would and like, like that. I can, yeah. And like, you can, yeah. I suppose, I, yeah, I suppose, I suppose there's a difference here between the simple sensation of that and the literal truth of it. Imagine though, imagine if you were having to do Christmas shopping last minute in the middle of a crowded shopping center, say, I mean, it always e. comes back to shopping. E.g. Yeah. The Oracle in Reading, mm. which, I remember having a panic attack in, hence, you know. Mm. Um, but being powered up with your invincible star and just absolutely striding through crowds, people pinging off you left, right and centre. You just, you know, you, you get to the rack of the thing, you pick the thing up, you go to the till and you march out like a boss while people sprawl and... Get out of your way. Mm. Imagine heaven, bliss. I'd like a quad damage power up, but instead of increasing the amount of damage you do by four, mm. it would increase the amount of money you make from freelance tasks mm. for a limited period of time. That'd be good. That's, think, the, that's, that's how I think of damage. Mm. I'd also like some of my weird potions from... Um, Oblivion. Mm. <laughs> like just, you know, do you want to be invisible and on fire? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Why would you want that in real life? I don't know. I think it might just be fun to try for a bit. And also, you know, they're, they're quite confusing. Um, mm. Maybe I don't want them. No. But I mean, I keep them around for a reason, I guess. I think something that I would really like is the power of persuasion or whatever, you know? You can get, obviously, like, potions and things that, you know, make your, I don't know, your charm skill higher mm. in RPGs and stuff. That would be so much more helpful when you're sort of dealing with, I don't know, a customer service situation or, you mm. know, whatever else. And just sort of... I think, actually, I, I, I know they're adding boost pads to Formula E. I think I'd, I, want, I want pavement boost pads. When I'm walking places. There's no point because people walk so slowly. You just get stuck behind them even they'd quicker. Be, they'd be hitting the boost pads as well. Oh, but they're going so slowly. That's when you get the shells. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you just, this is the thing. You just need the power to shove. Indeed, yeah. Mm. Or to say excuse me really loudly. Which is, yeah, the real shove. That'd mm. be a really good, let's take this the other direction. Just swap that back into Mario Kart. Sorry. Worst. Yeah. Yeah. Or like... Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, and then everyone just gets out of the way. Is it weird that I can't really think of any power-ups that aren't Mario Kart easily? They are iconic. That's, it's Mario you know. Kart power-ups or Mario power-ups in general. Mm. And then maybe a million miles later, my brain finally goes, what about those weird potions that you made in Oblivion that were absolutely terrible it's, and it's harmed true, though, you there, as there much as they helped you? There aren't, like, amazing... Like, there's the, the electric shield that attracts money to you in Sonic. I'd probably have that in real life. 
But you'd just get arrested, wouldn't you? Because that's still theft. Yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> it's not, you know, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't bestow ownership on you. It just means you've taken someone's money more easily. Yeah, yeah. You need you need all the chaos emeralds at the same time in order to buy off the police <laughs> and be immune to their attentions. Is there anything from Destiny that would be good? Destiny's not really. It's power ups. Um, yeah. Hmm. I mean, you know, because, yeah, like a lot of skills or a lot of power-ups or whatever are, are sort of geared at solving problems I, we don't so, have. No, hang on, hang on. So in Destiny, after you use your... If, if a player uses their super, mm. and then uh, when they use their super successfully, like to kill lots of, of monsters, that generates orbs of light that other players can can pick up to charge their own supers faster. Right. That would be a good mechanic to... Because it's a cool mechanic, and that would be a good mechanic to apply to real life. But what would it do? I mean, you know, because it, it depends on what the, the the core thing that you were amplifying was. Because if someone's Bounce. super was being a massive asshole, then, you know, you don't really want to perpetuate that, would you? By no, having, like, the asshole orbs drop. Fine, well, that, and the thing that is, idea's dead in the ground, isn't it? And also with Bantz, you know, that's, that's contagious anyway. Maybe that is our power-up. Maybe Bantz is orbs. <laughs> Maybe Bantz is orbs. <laughs> um, next is uh, Malamed, who writes, which is the best drink for podcasting and which is the worst? I think we've been asked this a million different ways. I, For my money, and I've done a lot of these, uh, <laughs> that's the sound of some pink wine being poured. Thank you for thinking of me in this trying time. I didn't think of you very much. No, judging by the that is a hilariously imbalanced pair of wine glasses. Um, I have. You have like a whole finger of wine. Yeah, I have. Yeah, one finger of wine, and you have have a whole fist of wine. Um, (laughs) Look, which one of us has been on deadline? Because it was me. Absolutely. Um, What I was going to say. What was I going to say? What What I was going to say was. Traditional pod drink has always been Morgan Spiced Gold Rum, um, which that always delivers a certain degree of silliness that um, I approve of. Whiskey gets us into the... I'm sure I've answered this a million times. Whiskey gets us into the weird hot takes place. thing is that you're answering it for 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 your end of the podcast, right? Mm. Whereas I'm a bit more like, I'm not a big fan of rum much. Yeah, true. And I'm not that into whiskey because I sip it like so slowly that it doesn't really kick in by the time we've got to the end of the podcast. It's just that yeah. I can smell whiskey in the room and that's that's about the, the sum total of where that gets me. It's mm. gin that is my my drink of choice and wine that is the thing that that goes down quite easily and leads to raucous pudding, I believe. Mm. Yeah, I'd say the worst is not nothing, because that's usually fine. Um, it's like, I always find like ale podcasts. I love ale, but an, an ale podcast can get a little sleepy. A cider podcast would see you right off. Yeah, a cider makes me very drunk. Cider's my danger drink. The reason <laughs> I don't drink cider. It's like, that's the thing that gets me. And I say that this will be spirits fine cider. <laughs> it's a it's a trap. Mm. It's a delicious trap. Mm. Um, our 
Final uh, spread of questions. I just wanted to give a little shout out to everybody who uh, responded to our call out for questions with variations on football things. Um, but, 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 Hoax Fish writes, and I like this, is coming home an unexplored genre? <laughs> well, it's always gone home. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, not the, the anticipation element is missing. That's true. You, you've already arrived home. Mm. Um, I've been here. I've been gone for fifty-two years. When can I go home? Would be the the other version of that. Um, yeah, I thought. Well, I think. I think generally returns to meaningful environments is tough territory for games to enter because the player doesn't necessarily share those connections to those environments that your player character does. Therefore, it's actually difficult for 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 the video game to ever go home. I think it depends because I think coming home is a thing that you. Obviously, you struggle with at the start of a game because unless it is mm. a, an intensely autobiographical game that you yourself have created or, or a close personal relation or contact has, it, it, it won't have that feeling. But I think that towards the end of a game, it's perfectly possible to feel like you've come home to a, a familiar thing that you that you started the game in or that you mm. came to associate with with something you know and and i'm assuming that mmos are a good candidate for that you know there are spaces yeah that's true within that that people feel huge oh, well, nostalgia got a serious for. answer out of this well i mean you're right you know. like well i mean games are I mean, long narrative games are novelistic in scope and and that i think gives them the ability to to like create a sense of a journey from a from an originating point in a way that's quite you know, gratifying when you do fold back to that first environment or, or, or something again. Mm. I suppose it depends because coming home can kind of mean slightly different things. But I, you know, I get the sense that it's, you know, generally taken to mean that you are arriving at a place where you feel safe to some degree and that's kind of an interesting mm. or at least accepted or that 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 resonates with you for some for for a I deeply mean, personal mean also traditionally reason. it kind of refers to returning to a, a prior state like there's it's not just a location it's not just geographic it's yeah a, it's, a, it's a change of and that, and that, and in fact, it's, it's remarkable to me, and it probably isn't even rare that this hasn't been evoked enough in recent times. But you can't go home again. That's the whole point. Well, but that's the thing that I was getting towards, which was that you know, it's kind of a, it, it. It's an interesting thing because I think it comes. I, I do think it comes up again and again in games because you know, often they set up these sort of sanctuary spaces, and then maybe midway through the game, you go back to them and they've been destroyed. You yeah. know, also, like, those Unatco people are all bastards. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. That's that's like a a common. No, you can't uh, go home again because you're level twenty now, and you've you've geared out of it. Well, it's a it's a common shorthand. Uh, you know that that sense of. That, that home is destroyed in some capacity is, you know, it's it's part of gaming's mm. vocabulary. But also but, it comes up a lot when I'm talking to people about 
about MMOs, specifically about World of Warcraft, because people have this affection for particular points mm. in time. They have an affection for a particular patch or a particular expansion. And, you know, you can't go back. And that's, it's been a really interesting element of the, of the, the vanilla wow conversations that have been floating around that nostalgia server and stuff. It's about sort yeah. of, you know, whether it's possible to, to sort of hide away in that world again or, or to, to evoke those feelings of being, I don't know, 20 and mm. able to spend a lot of time you know, in, in that game and have that subscription and, you know, whatever else, you know, it's, and I would actually be really interested to, to see whether the people that, that were playing on that server were actually getting that out of it, whether it was the experience they hoped it would be, or whether it was a, an oddly hollow thing or whether it was, it, it, it did provoke that feeling of, I couldn't go back, you know, it's all of the bits are there, but it, it, you know, yeah. I am not that age again. This is not my life anymore. You know that. Yeah, that's that's actually something that games are particularly bad at featuring within themselves. That's interesting. Like, there's plenty of games, like plenty of games, yeah, where your home gets destroyed at the beginning or halfway through, or your sanctuary gets destroyed or whatever. But that's not that's not what that phrase means. It's not you can't go home again because home was destroyed by elves. It's you can't go home again because you have changed. That's. And that's not something that games tend to deal with. Night much. in the woods. Night in the woods says, yeah, good point. Hmm. And Interesting. Yeah, like there are a few, but it's not it's not well trodden in the way that a lot of Yeah. yeah. But congratulations to Hoaxfish on the comedy football tying question that was actually an interesting, you know, sort of thought about games. Relatedly, I lost the work sweepstake because I drew England. You, you, you lost it the moment you drew England, and then you looked like you might win it because you drew England. It was and a then, very confusing time yeah, because I remember I, I posted uh, the picture of the of the England flag that I had drawn out of the hat, and uh, you know observed that you know I might as well have thrown that two quid in the bin because we'd be crashing out on penalties in the quarterfinals because that was the last time I engaged with football. But no, extra time in the semis. Exactly. This is progress. This is is legit progress. (laughs) So, you know. It is. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Football is not coming home, but it is growing stronger and stronger by the moment, like a big old energy ball. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger like the moon. (laughs) <laughs> just as the moon famously does. I need to stop doing this podcast. I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> shall we just draw a veil over it at yeah, this point? Yeah, it's indeed. Fine. Football's Good. going to bed. Um, it <laughs> is time to stop. If you sent us a question, thank you very much. If you'd like to send us a question for a future episode of the podcast, you can do so by emailing us the questions at crateandcrowbar.com or tweeting us at crateandcrowbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, many thanks again to our Patreon backers who make the podcast possible. You can find out more about our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash create and crowbar. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash create and crowbar, where you'll find our episodes in a kind of listenable form where you can also look at a still image. Incredible. Um, if you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at C Thurston, which is C T H U R S T E N. However, I don't really post on Twitter anymore. I just sort of look at it once a day and go, oh. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, or sometimes oh dear. Um, 
But that's it, really, isn't it? I think that's, yeah, that'll do us for this one. Did we say it was going to be a short episode? We did. Because that was hideously wrong, wasn't it? It was. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening.